Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's always joy to have you on this uh, session where we read the Word of God and hear what God is saying to us. God has given us good things, miracles, pastors, churches, you name them, that have contributed to our Christian faith. But at times, we have tended to focus on those objects more than God. Today's sermon is teaching us that let us focus on God rather than the other things that he has used that have contributed to our faith. God demands that we have no other idols. Let's not objectify God and let us not have other idols. I believe God is going to minister to you through the word. Please take your time and listen and I believe you will be blessed. The title of the message today is, It is not the miracle, but it is God. The text for today is in the book of 2 Kings. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zachariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense on it. Growing up as a young boy in a Christian family, I remember very well my mother, who was also a Christian. She told us that we should not put anything on top of the Bible, as in the physical Bible, as it was a holy book. You were not allowed to put anything, to sit on it, to do whatever that was not acceptable according to her standards. The Bible had to be on a clear place. If you put it, let it be there. And if you ever wish to put something on top of it, let it be at least another Bible rather than putting maybe a cup or putting another book. But the Bible had to be respected. What is interesting is that today, though we still do have the physical Bible, we now have the digital Bibles in our tablets in our phones, in our different uh, devices that, we, that enable us to access the Bible. However, it is worth noting that those devices, we don't necessarily put things on top of them, not because it's a Bible, but it's because we don't want them, want them to crash, like you put something heavy on top of a phone, you might destroy it. But we just do it to protect them, not because there's a Bible. Now the question is, does it mean the Bible has lost its value? The answer is not. The Bible is still the Bible. My mom's uh, ideology or belief was that the book has to be holy and put nothing on top of it. It was a good teaching, but technology has told us that it is not on the physical Bible. It is in the content of what is inside the Bible. Now, the text we just read, I want to draw you back to where the bronze snake 
come into uh, come into play in the whole uh, issue of Israel. In the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 21, you get to understand that the children of Israel, they were rebelling against God, against Moses in the wilderness. So God sent snakes that will bite them, and then these were venomous snakes. Some of them died, and some of them were very sick. So as they cried out to the Lord, God instructed Moses in verse 19 of chapter 21. Moses was instructed by God to create the bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the pole, at the bronze snake, they leave. So this was something that was a temporal measure or a solution to Israel at that particular time. From the snakes, they were saved because of the bronze snake. Although not recorded in scripture, but we get to understand that it means Israel uh, uh, preserved the bronze snake and took it with them into the, land, into the promised land. So where we read this issue of the bronze snake surfaces again, the children of Israel, it means they are now worshipping the bronze snake. It is part of what they admire. It has been of help to them in the wilderness and they carried it with them into the land of Canaan, into the promised land. Now they were worshipping as we learn or as we read we get to understand that they were burning incense. We know that incense was only burnt to God or they were doing it other, to other gods, those who did not worship the God of Israel. But the almighty God also required that essence be brought or to prevent to him only in the temple, uh, in the tabernacle, the essence had to be always burning. Now, in other words, Israel was doing what was contrary to what God had told them in the book of Exodus, that they should not have any other God besides God. Exodus 20, uh, verse 3 to 4. They were now having other gods, worshiping other gods, because the bronze snake now had become something that they worshipped. It had become something that they, they admire. They thought it was something that has kept them before from generations to generation. It is something that is still important. If you read the Bible, we see that God has used or had used uh, objects to heal people. I'll say that will be a point of contact. If you read the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, we learn of the king Naaman. What actually happened is that he had leprosy, and when he was uh, sick of it, leprosy, uh, the maid told her that they, him that there's someone who can pray for him, and he went to Elijah, and he said to him, let him go to the river uh, Jordan to bed seven times. Though he didn't want, but the servant said, actually, what is the cause? Just go there. And he went there, and he bathed seven times, and his skin was as soft as that of a baby. And he came back and thanked God. So God used uh, the, the Jordan River to remove the leprosy from King Naaman. We also read of Elisha who put a stick. You remember when the prophets were there uh, cutting uh, some wood and then one of the axe fell on, 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 on a river and it sank. When Elijah came, he took a stick and put it there, and the, the axe floated, and they were able to take it up. The story is found in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 to 6. There is quite a lot. We know of Samson, who used a, a donkey jaw to kill the lot of Philistines. We know of Moses, who used a stick to open the rod. But the thing is, is it the raw, is it Moses' rod that opened the, the, the river? Is it uh, the river Jordan that healed 
Naaman that healed Naaman was it the stick that Elijah put in the in the water that actually made the axe to float if you also read in the new testament Jesus also used objects. If you read chapter 9 of John, Jesus here, he's seeing a blind man, and then he takes his saliva and some soil and makes some little mud, and then he puts it on the eyes of the person, and the person saw again. Now, is it, is it the, 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 the mud that healed the man, or it was the hand of Jesus Christ? There's quite a lot that theologians are saying about this, but... Uh, part of it is that he was, uh, we know Jesus Christ was correcting the belief of the, the rabbis on the Sabbath. This was also because this was a Sabbath day. He also did this on a Sabbath and he actually used the mud, which was something that I think was against what they believed in, in terms of doing something like clay working on a Saturday. So on a, on a Sabbath. But what I want to draw your attention to is that God can use an object. It's not that it's the object that is healing you. It is God who's healing you. It's only that the object is a point of reference. So God heals us. And those things that he has done for us, they, they, they make us to treasure them and we feel like we value them. If God heals you through a pastor, you, you tend to value that pastor that he's a man of God. If God has done something through something, you put your treasure in it. It can be a church. It can be anything. We'll look at the different things that we do. But I want to bring your attention to what is referred to as objectifying God. Because when we objectify God, we make ourselves believe that God is contained in something that is portable. If you talk about uh, the issue of the children of Israel in the story we've just read, you are talking about they objectified God believing that God was the snake. You objectify God if you believe that the Bible is God. The Bible is not God, but the Bible is the word of God. The word of it not, doesn't necessarily mean the papers are God, but the text and the information is the word of God. I want to bring your attention to the story in First Samuel chapter four, verse one to eleven. A clear an example, a clear example of objectifying God. Israel was attacked by the Philistines, and they were defeated in the war. When they thought about this, they thought, no, we are Israelites. We can't be defeated by the Philistines. We are the people of God. God is amongst us. What went wrong? The elders, the Bible says, the elders in verse 3, they said, the, the elders, they sat down and said, no, let's get the, 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 the ark of the Lord, the ark of God, and bring it with us such that we can win this battle. And they brought it. When they brought it, the Bible says there was so much joy such that the Philistines had that something has uh, arrived in, in, in the camp of the Israelites. And they actually said, we are doomed. Their gods are here. But they encouraged each other and said, no, let's go ahead, Philistines, and let's fight. And they went out to fight and they fought the Israelites and they defeated them in the presence of the ark of God. And they fought, the, 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 the Philistines took the ark of God and possessed it. The Israelites were defeated. Now, the question is, was it because God was not there? God was there, but the Israelites had objectified God to be 
on the ark of the covenant so god can never be objectified do not objectify god but we have objectified god as human beings and that is idol worship is something that god does not like where we read hezekiah had to realize that what makes us not to because the bible says hezekiah was a king that feared god so he removed all the altars and all the things that were derailing israel from worshiping god as per the bible text so he was a man who feared god rather than human beings he was a man who wanted to do what the bible says it is very important that as human beings we stick to what the bible says rather than what human beings say some of these things we have been taught in church some of these things we've been taught by our parents some of it has just been cascaded from generation to generation and we found it to be part of our culture and we think that is what the word of god says yet it is not there so it remains important for each and every one of us as a christian that you read the word and you apply it exactly as it is one of the children of Israel would have argued that, no, you cannot destroy the, the bronze snake. Why? Because it is something that is part of our heritage. We have been healed through it. Let us keep it. But this was not what the word says. God has said, you shall not have any other God besides me. It can never be even an image under the sea, on earth, and even on the skies above. God just wants us to worship him as pure as he is and let it be him alone. No medium of exchange or anything that we think represents God. You might uh, uh, consecrate it as much as you can and say, this is my God or this is what represents God. But according to God, that is idol worship. God wants us to worship him through faith. So Hezekiah understood that Israel is now focusing on this bronze snake and they are doing something that is against God. It might be a cause for us to be defeated in wars and is actually something that defiles the Israelites. Now, if we go ahead, let's look at the things that we do today that uh, we have made us to objectify God. These things, they came to us as solutions or things that gave birth to our Christian faith or things that actually have made us to be what we are. But what has happened is we have objectified those things. We have made us them to be. We have made those things to be part of our Christian faith and think they lead us to whatever we are doing in our Christian faith or what we have to be. The first thing that we have to know is that as human beings, we have tend to worship pastors or let me use this word, messengers of the gospel. God uses His people to preach the word. He uses his people to pray for you and you are healed. God uses mighty men of mighty men actually they will come they will preach the word and you will be convicted by the word of God and you get saved. Maybe you are sick, you have a headache or whatever, you don't get a job, whatever, they pray for you. God uses them to pray for you. But listen, it doesn't mean that it is the pastor who has healed you. It is the pastor who has saved you. It is God. It is Jesus Christ. But we have made that mistake. We have said, Pastor so and so, I cannot go away from him or depart from his teachings because or from his church. Let me use this word. I respect him or 
what I worship him or I, you, you over-reference him be above God. You give value to the pastor. You can do anything that the pastor says. What happens in such situations? What we've seen is that people, they tend to listen to what the pastor says or the messenger of the gospel says rather than God. Sometimes they say things that are actually not scriptural. But because your mind has focused in what he did for you, which is the messenger of the gospel, you tend not to listen to what the word says. The word of God has to always have an upper hand. If we read the Bible, we learn that, I think in, in, in the book of Acts, whenever they had preached, the church will meet to just evaluate that what has been preached, is it from the word of God? Does it align with the word of God? Whatever the messenger of the gospel, it's a pastor, you call him apostle, you call him whatever prophet, does he say what aligns to the word of God? Is it in the word of God? Never put a messenger of the gospel above the word. That is idolatry, and God does not want that to be done. Now, if, you, if we read the Bible, because at times these people, they demand the glory, because it's also a weakness to them. It's a weakness to us as the congregants. It can also be a weakness to us, to them. If you read the Bible in the book of Acts, chapter, 20, chapter 10, verse 25, we are finding Peter rebuking Cornelius, Cornelius now was kneeling. Let me read. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. To us, the ministers of the gospel, we are just human beings. We are used by God. We are no special people. We are used by God. Let's not demand the glory. Let's not take the glory. According to if, if you are a pastor who, who actually embraces a, a glory, if you were Peter, you would allow this man to kneel down. But Peter knew that what he was about to do and what has been sent to him was through God. And he had, this is just a man. He's just a man. So let's put value in what God has done for us and not on human beings. Human beings are just men. Now, this occurs in different ways. I've given three things. When you cannot hear any pastor other than yours, that's another way where you see that you are getting out. You are making him your, your, your little God. When you can't hear anything pre preached by any other pastor other than Pastor X, even if the others are preaching the right word of God, the true word of God, but you say, I cannot hear anything about this. When you cannot do anything, sorry, when you can do anything the pastor says, regardless of its alignment to the word, know very well you are in the wrong track. You follow your pastor or the messenger of the gospel, even when he is doing something wrong, he has fallen from grace. The acts that he is doing are contrary to the word. But you still say, it is my pastor, I will do what he says. Let us not embrace things that derail us from the Lord. For Israel, the bronze snake was brought by God. It was uh, made by Moses through 
uh, God's instruction. So the pastor or the messenger of the gospel has been brought to you. Originally, he was sent by God, but he might have left the grace and followed other gods. So let us be people who fear God. Angels of God, they did not want to, they did not want to be worshipped. If you read Revelation chapter 22, uh, you read uh, uh, verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow, uh, fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of God. Or the words of the scroll. Worship God. Worship should always be to God. Look, this is an angel. He knows very well. The angel says, I'm a servant. As I'm preaching to you now, I'm a servant. I'm not nobody. I'm just like you. I'm a human being. If what I'm preaching is against the word, please give me caution. The other things that we have brought and we have idolized, uh, objectified, that we have kept, it came as a blessing, but now it has been used by us to derail from God's purpose. God has given us talents in different ways. Different talents God has given. One of the common ones is, is singing. God has given us uh, musicians that he has uh, actually anointed to sing beautifully and they bring maybe the presence of God and we feel the presence of God. But I just want to bring this uh, understanding that the beautiful voice is good and God has brought it. But let us not focus on it such that even if someone is doing something that is wrong, we embrace it just because we want that person to remain as part of the praise team or as part of the church. We have to condemn what is wrong. Hezekiah had to burn or to, to destroy the, the bronze snake. If you read about uh, uh, Lucifer, who is Satan, uh, in the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 14, verse uh, 12 to 15, we get to understand how he actually even got to Sheol, where he is. Because he made himself bigger. Regardless of him being the angel of light, uh, the angel who was uh, uh, responsible for music in heaven, God did not embrace that. His word, his justness, because he's a God of justice, he just acted the right way. So we should, as Christians, act rightly. And whatever is ungodly, if someone, regardless of being a best player in instrument or a keyboardist or bassist, if that person does not live according to the Christian standard, it is wrong to embrace him in the leadership of the praise team or whatever is there, just because you want the music. I know others will argue, no, but this is church. It is okay as a congregant. But people who are in the forefront engage in his service because those people is what uh, everybody, when he gets in this church, he looks up into. He looks up to the musicians that are there, the people who are praised him, whatever they are doing, he looks up to them. They kind of a benchmark on what the Christian standards are. It's a pity if they know him in the bars and they find him on the stage. So let us leave the Bible. Let us leave as God has said. The last thing that I want to bring unto you that we have objectified as the church, uh, that we, we have put value, it came as a good thing, but we have kept on it such that it has become an idol, delay, derailing us from God and leading us to temptation, if I can use that term. 
You see, the other thing that we've discovered, I've discovered, is the church itself. When I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about the denomination. I'm not talking about the body of Jesus Christ. Here, I'm referring to the church as an entity. Churches that started as good houses of worship, that praise God, and that are good, sometimes they become an idol to us. You might have been born in the church, you might have been saved in the church, or you, at some point in time you just joined and you loved it. You know how you, re- you re- realize that you have put uh, much value on the church than God? You see in these ways. The first thing is you attend no other church other than this one. Even if you are far away from your location, you just feel, no, I cannot go to any other church. The real church is my church. You see it as a superior church. You just value it so much, like the others are just playing. The right thing is your church. The other thing is that no church compares to yours in holiness and seriousness in God's work. That is another sign that you are derailing from God. You are now worshiping your church. When you just see others, they are playing. You can't even attend to any church or listen to any pastor who's preaching, regardless of the fact that they are preaching the word of God as pure as it is. Because there are other pastors. It's not only me, as I'm speaking to you now, who's speaking the word, but there are different pastors who speak the word of God. It is important that you get to listen to the word. Listen to the word, not to the church. Now, when you cannot offer to any other church other than yours, regardless if I uh, say I'm, I'm working here in Eswatini, I'm, Eswazi, I'm in Eswatini in Babane, and I attend church, I'm a student, or I'm working in Cape Town. I'm working there. If I work in Cape Town, I send my tithes to my local church. I send my offering uh, on to my local church. I cannot offer where I am. Be careful. Be careful. Those are signs you should see that you have valued your church more than the body of Christ. It was a good intention at, the first, at first, but you have been derailed to worship that uh, the church. There are many things, hymns and everything. What is important is that we need to worship God and Him alone. We should never have, never have any other God besides God Jehovah and worship Him, Him alone. Regardless of what He used to bring you to Christianity, who preached to you to make you a Christian, what church has made you what to be. Good, the church has contributed to your Christian faith, but it is important to remain true to God and worship him direct as a true God. If he says offer whilst you are in Cape Town, yet your local church is here, just offer in Cape Town. God is saying that it is better to listen to God than to listen to your culture or your traditions. Now, Romans 8 verse 38 says, For I am convinced that neither dead nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whatever it is, the miracles, let us not separate us from God. The focus must be God. Him alone and focus on Him straight. Reflect on your life. How do you worship? 
what is God saying to you? That miracle that God did to you, that miracle that you experienced, aren't you making it your God in your life? Doesn't it cause you to objectify God? So as we come to an end of this service, please make sure that you worship God and Him alone. If He did a miracle in your life, Praise God for that miracle, but don't worship that miracle. If he used a pastor to preach to you, thanks God for the man of God, for the messenger of the gospel, but don't worship the pastor. If he used the church to, to make you grow in your faith, thanks God for the church, for your local church, but don't worship the church. Worship God. Even if God used a, 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 a hymn, it's thanks God for the hymn, but don't worship the hymn. Whatever God has done, has used to grow you in your faith, let it not be your idol. Worship God directly. There are things that you have normalized, but just pray to God. God, show me the things that I've taken to be part of me, yet you know very well that they are against you. Things that have taken your place in my Christian faith. God, help me to recognize them and to destroy them just like Hezekiah did. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word uh, today. I believe God it has ministered to each and everyone who has listened. God, show us those things that we have put above you, things that have derailed us from worshiping you as a true God. Let us worship you only, God, and let us read your word and let us align to your purpose. We ask all this, Father, believing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have come to the end of our session today and I believe God has ministered to you through his word. And now you can reflect on the things that are now more important, that you give more value than God in your Christian walk. Please do not do that. Do not objectify God. Do not have an idol, but have God as your God. Thank you for being part of this session. I believe God has blessed you. Let's meet again next time. God bless you.